the word, but we go to the Lord first to seek his mercies as we read and have his word ministered to us. Heavenly Father, we are thankful that Christ deserves such glory and that his word deserves our attention as it did long ago in the days when Luke penned his gospel. We pray that as we look at that portion of the word that we look at today from Luke, that it may be of a blessing to us as we hear of how Christ uncovered the sinfulness of Simon and how we too can be beneficiaries from this portion of your word. May your spirit so work in us, we pray in the name of Christ. Amen. Yes, we're going to be taking up Luke chapter 5 today. We've been in Luke chapter 4, and among other things that we've seen is just how authoritative the Word of God is. Well, it carries on again in this portion of God's Word as people gather together to hear the Word of God from Jesus. And as that Word goes out, Simon is convicted by God's grace. We pray that it may be of a blessing for us to consider these words from Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. We pick up there then at... Verse 1, on one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land. And he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, We toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they and closed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them, and they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. But when Simon saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on, you will be catching men. And when they brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. We thank the Lord for his word. May it truly be of a blessing by his grace to us this morning. Congregation of our Lord Jesus Christ, if we are at all a reader of the New Testament, uh, we find that as we read through those pages that this person, Simon, this person, Simon Peter, plays a very prominent role. He preaches the Pentecost sermon to Jews in Luke's second book in Acts. 
and he is a major player when it comes to the proclamation of the gospel to the Gentiles in Acts chapter 10, having preached the Pentecost sermon in Acts chapter 2, he goes to Acts chapter, we go to Acts chapter 10 and we find that Peter is being used there very prominently to proclaim the gospel to Gentiles. And we find him prominent in this passage too. Uh, his name comes up quite a bit. We hear about his boat, Simon's boat, we hear about him speaking to Jesus, and we hear Jesus speaking to Simon, and we hear about James and John, the sons of Zebedee, but they are partners with Simon. Simon plays quite a role in this portion of God's Word, as he does in much of the New Testament. But why, especially with Luke, uh, but why does Jesus uncover Simon's sinfulness if he's so prominent. And how does he do it? Well, that's what we're looking at this morning. Uh, we want to answer those questions and then see what they say to us, because that's always important as well, isn't it? Not just that we understand what the passage says, but also understand how what it says impacts us, is relevant to us, how we need to engage with that portion of God's Word. So that's what we're going to do this morning. We're looking at a, how Christ uncovers the sinfulness of Simon. We're going to see the means that he uses and the reason why he does it, or the purpose behind it. The means and then the purpose. This story is more than just a story about making disciples. It definitely is about that. But Simon and his sin play a larger, a large role. And, and we, we, as we see from Simon's reply to the miracle of fish, the sign of fish, the, the miraculous catch, sin comes up more often in Luke, of course. We find that uh, that story of the paralytic comes up where they let the paralytic down in the chair, through the roof, and the religious leaders question Jesus' ability to forgive sins. Matthew is called to discipleship, and he's associated with people that are considered hopelessly sinful, but whom Jesus says he's come to call because physicians don't come to the healthy, he comes to the sick. Sinfulness is what Jesus uncovers then, here, not to make Simon ultimately miserable, it's not to leave him there, but Jesus reveals and uncovers his sinfulness for Simon's benefit. And when we learn that uncovering lesson of sinfulness for ourselves, it's also meant to be for our benefit, not to leave us there but for a gospel benefit. Not as a miserable end, but as a means to an ultimate end of gospel good news. So how does Jesus go about uncovering the sinfulness of Simon? Well, he uses the very means that he's using right here as he's teaching to other people. He's using the same means that he's used in the earlier portion that we read in Luke. And, and that not only that we see in the earlier passages of Luke, but we see at the end of the Gospel of Luke when, 
when Jesus encounters this couple on the road to Emmaus, and what did they say to him uh, about who Jesus was, that he was powerful in word and in deed. And we've seen that, right? We have seen that in what we read last time and what we had ministered last time. We see that here. He was powerful. He's powerful in word and in deed before God and before the people. Chapter 24, verse 19. What was happening before, what the people saw at the end of Luke, is going on right here. And the first thing that we see Jesus use then to uncover the sinfulness of Peter is his word. It's his word. He tells people, he tells Simon to go out into the deep and let down the nets for a catch. Now Simon was in the, pres in the process, as were his partners, in cleaning his nets, right? He was closing up for the day. And on top of that, Simon and his partners had been fishing all night already. The best time apparently to fish there was to fish at night. Why would, he, why would they be going out at night otherwise? They obviously figured that that was the best time. And of course, they had come out with zilch. They had come out with zero. They got nothing. Simon's a professional fisherman. He knows fish. He knows when to fish. He knows how to fish. But okay. Simon also calls Jesus. He calls them and he calls them master. Okay, we've been out fishing all night. But look, if you say so, then we'll do it. Right? He says, as he does here, at your word, I will let down the nets. If you say so, Jesus, at your word, I'll do that. Now, there's, a, there's certainly a worthwhile lesson there already, isn't there? Because Peter's reply here helps to underscore the authority of Jesus' word already. Why do it? Why do what you do? Because Jesus says so. So, except for the fact that he's, you know, he, would, he wouldn't do this otherwise, would he? But Jesus speaks such a powerful word. He speaks with authority. Simon's coming to know that. He's heard the word of God from Christ. What Jesus has to say then, already we see to an extent that he sees that what Jesus has to say is to be obeyed because you say so. Because of your word. Right? So if he calls us to faith in him, then we better listen. We might think that we know it better. We might think we know it better about how to approach our, our parents. Or how to approach our children, or our fellow church member, or our boss, or our employee. But we need to say, if you say so, Jesus, I'll do what you say. Because it's your word, I'll do it. The reason for the troubles in the world on political and social and interpersonal and financial planes you name it, are so much because people are not willing to say, 
If you say so, Jesus. In accordance with your word, I'll do it. However, the main point here to keep in mind is that this word is intended to uncover Simon's sin. Now, in this case, it works a bit indirectly, but it certainly was the reason why Jesus spoke the word. The first stage, by using his word, was to see to it that Simon recognized his sin. Today, it still takes Christ's word to make people profess their sinfulness because man is not going to, is not going to initiate that dialogue. God has to speak first because in our sin, we think too highly of ourselves and our own words. In our sinfulness, God has no place. We, we try to eliminate him from reality and culture. We, we seek to suppress him, make him irrelevant. And then that way, you see, what makes that nice is that then we can justify everything that we do. We just ignore him. We just close the book, literally, when it comes to him. And so then we can live recklessly, and then we see, as we're trying to pick up the pieces, even while we're trying to pick up the pieces, we're not at fault. It's not our problem. It's not because of us. Because how could we have sinned against God when God doesn't exist? He's irrelevant here. I'll just keep going and see how it all is going to work out. And yet, to profess our sinfulness is to profess the truth. It's to profess the word of God. It's to profess the word of Christ. It's to replace our self-made authority for the, for, the, for the authority of God. And that's the first step to saving faith, isn't it? We've all been called by the word of Christ to make that first step to saving faith. And if we have not made that first step, or if we never take that step, we can never claim that we know God's grace. And we can never know grace. We won't. Because grace presumes a person who knows he's a sinner. And we all have to admit to that at some point, like Simon did. In the case of Simon, the means that was used to uncover his sinfulness was also the powerful deed of Jesus. Simon recognized to an extent the authority of Jesus, but, but the confirming deed of Christ struck his heart to the extent that Jesus wanted it struck because of all these fish, he says, Go away. Leave me. For I am a sinful man, O Lord. The multitude of fish was a sign. Now you could say that that sign pointed to how Jesus can provide, and he does, and it does. And you can talk about how it shows what Jesus knows. He knows where the fish are, and he does. And you could talk about how Jesus is a great director, and he is. But most importantly, it pointed out to who Jesus was. 
By the grace of God, this is what Simon Peter has now discovered and had uncovered to himself. It, it was the ultimate and holy lordship of Jesus Christ. Depart from me, Lord, I'm a sinful man. Because Simon realizes he's in the presence of holiness, of perfection. In the presence of divine greatness. It's a thought to keep in mind as we're here, right? We are in the presence of divine greatness. It's a holy moment. Simon was in the presence of the Christ. True God and true man. This is no ordinary assembly. Right? There's ordinary assemblies. There's going to be an ordinary assembly someplace today that uh, everybody's going to say is extraordinary. It's not as extraordinary as this one. It's not. It's not. I mean, we can fanfare it all, but it's not. This is the extraordinary assembly. This one is. The one we have tonight, too, is. Those are extraordinary assemblies. Simon was in the presence of holiness. You're in the presence of holiness. He was in the presence of divine greatness. Simon was in the presence of the Christ. When Simon Peter discovered here who Jesus was, he came to know who he was. And where his place was in the scheme of things. He was humbled to the dust. It brought humility to his heart. He took no godless pride in himself at this point and his worthiness. Worthiness was standing before his very eyes. How could holiness be in the presence of unholiness? How could one be in the midst of such worthiness? Go away, Lord. Christ displays who he is by what he does. But when he does that, by grace, we also discover who we are. By Christ's powerful deeds, Simon saw his primary relationship to Christ. He discovers that he needs more than just political liberation or fish. Christ didn't come to redeem Israel that way. He came, spoke, and acted so that people would see their need for grace. Find it. Seeing themselves as they really are before the Holy One of God. The greatest of these acts, of course, is yet to come. It's in His necessary death. So necessary, as, as Jesus would tell those on the road to Emmaus. So necessary for Sinners such as Peter, such as you and I. Didn't you know that Christ had to come and suffer according to the scripture? The cross above all his acts shows our need for him. And how marvelous the work and person of the Lord Jesus truly is. And that kind of uncovering was the intention of the Holy Lord Jesus with Peter. Grateful we must be when we discover how necessary the, 
the cross of Christ is for us. The uncovering of sin then is not the end purpose. It's not the final purpose. Not with Simon and not with us. It is not for you to wallow in your sinfulness and to live your life dwelling on your sinfulness. That wasn't true for Simon. That isn't true for us. Think about why the focus is on Simon Peter. Why Simon Peter? Why not one of the other disciples or somebody else? Well, Simon Peter for Luke plays some prominent roles. And one of the things we read in Acts chapter 10 verse 5 was that when Simon, who's called Peter, comes to see Cornelius, when he's retrieved to see the Gentile Cornelius, Cornelius in chapter 10, 25, bows at his feet in reverence like he's someone perfect. But Peter made him get up. And he said, you stand up because I'm only a man myself. I'm only a man myself. Why was it important that Simon Peter know that he was a sinner? So that he would know, and that everybody would know, that a sinful condition was not just that of Gentiles, and hopelessly so. But that everybody was in sinner, a sinner in need of grace. Him included. And it didn't matter if he was a Jew or a Gentile. Red, yellow, black, or white. There's no doubt that this profession was necessary for Peter to make according to Jesus Today, that is no different either. Just because you grew up in the church and are part of the covenant that way doesn't mean that you don't have the responsibility to profess your sin and sinfulness as someone who also knows then the need of the Lord's grace. There isn't one of us that's not called to make that profession in our lives. Not a one of us. None of us are too good for that profession. None of us are beyond the need of such a profession. If Simon, Peter, a Jew needed to make that profession, so did we, so do we all. And at the same time, then, I realize that, I, that I'm not any different than anybody else in and of itself, or in and of myself. It wasn't just the tax collector or the Gentile or the, 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 the hopeless sinner that needed grace. It isn't just the neighbor next door or the hardened criminal, the person who lives in some primitive conditions in Africa. It is I. It is you. And we, we must all realize that we're sinners before a holy God. The high, the low, the rich, the poor, the famous, and the forgotten, the weak and the strong, the powerful and the subjected, even those that people would call prominent in the church. Even people like Simon Peter. To have such an attitude of humility makes all the difference in the way that we treat one another and as we engage the world that needs the same grace we do. For here again, this isn't the end of the matter. Peter wanted Jesus to depart from him, but that was really the last thing that he needed. He didn't need Jesus to go away. He needed Jesus to stay. Yes, he was a sinner before the Holy One of God. But he also needed 
what would enable the Lord Jesus to stay by him. He needed Christ's mercy. And he receives it. You know, that's the purpose here also. Jesus' purpose to uncovering his sinfulness was not to leave him there and leave him. His further purpose was to display his amazing grace. And he does that. Jesus doesn't deny or refute Peter's claim. Peter was a sinner. He was a sinful man. We all are. But he answers Peter with his grace. Don't be afraid. This is Luke again. The shepherds were sore afraid, weren't they? And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy that will be for all the people. And here too, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I have good news of grace. There's grace to know and embrace when we admit to our sinfulness before the Lord Jesus. The Lord doesn't want to leave us there. If you're spending your whole life just dwelling on your sinfulness, then you haven't gotten to the good news that we remember next week. You have forgotten Jesus. You're just dwelling on yourself. And that is no different than a person who spends their whole life as a non-Christian, just absorbed in themselves. That's what you're doing. You're absorbed in yourself, and you're never going to find hope there, ever. You need to get away from that and focus your attention on the gospel, on grace. You don't have to be removed from the presence of the divine Son of God. We hear about that tonight, about in Article 26 of the Belgian Confession, that people were afraid of Christ so much because he was just so austere that we have to go through Mary and we have to go through patron saints because he's too holy and I'm too unholy. And that same beautiful, perfect, righteous Savior says, don't be afraid of me. Come to me and you'll find rest for your soul. Quit dwelling on yourself. And focus your attention where it belongs. Remember Christ. You can remain in fellowship with me. You can come into fellowship with me. Through his good news, there is no reason to fear. There's, there's plenty of reason to fear when you don't come clean before the Lord or when you try to hide your sin or when you just dwell in it. But when by the, His grace the Lord Jesus reveals your sin to you, its depths, its permeation, yeah, its breadth, He does it not so that you will remain in horror the rest of your life. If that is how you are living, you need to live differently. He does it so that you will be ready to hear His comforting word, don't be afraid. 
Because through me, you don't have to be. You don't. Through me, your sins are forgiven. Your sins are covered. That's why I came. Coming to the realization of your sinfulness before the Holy Son of God is certainly a wake-up call. But if that's all you know, and if that's all you could know, that'd be dreadful. That is dreadful. But when it happens in your life, or when it happened, you need, or you needed to hear the good news of Jesus. Don't be afraid. My grace is sufficient for you. Otherwise, you've tossed the gospel out. That grace leads to a, fur a purpose, a further purpose here, a changed life. Simon goes from being a sinner to a devoted servant of the Lord, along with his partners. His life has changed. From now on, Simon, you'll be catching men, or capturing men, or catching men alive. The uncovering was designed to transform the life. And for Simon, it would mean catching men. He'd no longer be fishing for fish that would die. He would instead be catching men alive. Simon had been caught by the Lord and he had been used. He had used his divine word to do exactly that. He used the very word that he spoke to the crowds that caused them to press to the point of making Jesus go out, go out on the boat to speak at a proper angle. That very word had changed Simon's life. Now Peter was going to catch men. Simon was going to catch men and catch them he would with God's grace by doing the very thing that Jesus himself did. He would speak the word of God. In the Pentecost sermon, he spoke the word of God. Peter and John are released after speaking the word of God boldly and uh, praying to the Lord then that they would continue to speak the word with all confidence as his bondservants in chapter 4 of Acts. And that's what they did. The word of God spread in Jerusalem because the twelve, including Simon, would devote themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And it continued with Paul and on and on. And today men and women and children are caught in the gospel net by the preaching of the word of God. And we need to use preaching as an evangelistic tool because that preaching is a sign that God is saving before judgment. Whenever God used to use fishing terms in the Old Testament, it was always in terms of his judgment coming and in judgmental ways. You can find that in Jeremiah 16, Ezekiel 29, Habakkuk 1. It was a conquering term, but now Jesus uses it in a saving way. But still an urgent way as a sign of his conquering and everlasting kingdom. A sign to remind us that it's important to be found in the nets of the gospel be devoted to his cause. The uncovering of Simon's sinfulness led to that devotion. They leave everything and followed him when they brought their boats to the land. And it's not important to know what happened to the fish. That's not the point <laughs> at all. It's not the issue. The issue is the urgency to follow Christ and to consider nothing more important in a person's life. That's what it's all about. And that devotion is what, what happens to people who have had their sinfulness uncovered and pardoned by the Lord Jesus Christ. You can't be devoted to Christ if all you know is that your sin's been uncovered. 
you'll never be devoted to Christ. If it's only because you've known your sins uncovered. You'll be devoted to Christ if you know that your sins have been uncovered and that you've known that you've been pardoned by the Lord Jesus who says to you, don't be afraid. That devotion is the end purpose of it all. That's a disciple. Devoted Christ. Is that where you find yourself? Is that where I find myself? Not just with my sin uncovered, as important as that is, but with my fears removed. Thanks to the grace of the Lord Jesus who says, fear not. Living not as sinners. That's how you're living. If a person comes to you and says, well, what's life like for you? Well, I'm a sinner. If that's all it is, you've missed the boat. You're not to be living merely as saying, I'm a sinner, but as a servant of the Lord. Called to total devotion. Called as part of those conquered by grace. To the catching of other people. For the Lord of grace. Yeah. Don't live merely as a sinner. But as a servant of the Lord of Satan. Father in heaven, may we be blessed by your word today. May it be a, a lamp to our feet, a light to our path as we carry on in our day, and now and always. We pray in the name of Christ. Amen. We sing 424 as our song of response, just as I am without one plea.